1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Tuesday edition of the Roundball Stew podcast on NBC Sports Edge. I am your host, Ryan Kanaus. With me, as usual, my co host, Jared Johnson. Jared, have you caught up after yesterday's all day MLK day basketball NBA marathon? I know you were covering games throughout it. How how did that treat you? The the all day spectacular is always fun, but it's also draining as someone who writes about it and covers it for a living.
2: It's fun. It's also draining. Yesterday was so intense, it's like I I didn't even, I feel like I don't even know what I blurred, like what I watched, it was just like back to back games, wow, news is breaking. Anyways, enough about that, I am tired, but I am ready for the podcast. Okay,
1: very good. (laughs) Well, we'll jump right into the Tuesday show, as usual, with Dr. A's pickups of the day, In this case, just a pickup. Steve leads off with Ayo Dosumu, who's still only 12% rostered in Yahoo. I would have thought more people were streaming him yesterday, but they weren't, unfortunately for them, as Dosumu, as Steve writes, went off for 15 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 5 steals, 2 blocks, and a 3-pointer on 7 of 12 shooting. Yeah, it may end up being his best game of the year, but it was a monster performance. Pick him up now and ask questions later, Steve writes. It goes on to include a dozen plus other pickups, some of which we'll talk about in today's pod, some of which we won't, which is why you should head to NBC Sports Edge and get our season tools under the Edge Plus package, a reminder that covers all sports, betting, DFS, everything. So go get that. Io This this name is tricky for me because I I did stream him in a league, but I also had dropped him earlier this year in a 30-team league. So I would be ruined about that decision after the past couple lines because it was a second straight excellent line. Except that Io did this without Lonzo Ball, who was out with yep. left knee soreness, and without Alex Caruso, who might come back on Wednesday. So just a reminder that Dosumu has this type of upside. Like, I love filing away that for the future. So if Lonzo misses another game, you know who to pick up. Or, you know, down the road, if Chicago trades some guys, or Io gets traded, whatever it might be, just remember that he has freaky uh, fantasy potential especially with the steals and defensive stats anything else jump out of you from that are you did you stream IO anywhere stuff like that
2: oh I wish I streamed IO no I didn't but it's important to mention that Zach Levine is out for at least the next week so he's going to have his opportunities while Zach Levine is out I think that's more important than Lonzo or even Caruso oh yeah yeah because he he, man Mm -hmm. if you watch that game it was incredible like he was just all over the place the way the, that he attacks everything with just this, it's that rookie energy, you know, where they just fly <laughs> around the gym and just yeah. like, man, it. he had like five steals, two blocks, sign me up. Mm-hmm. But um, anyways, I thought another interesting part of that game was uh, Kobe White continuing to ball out. I know that you're not the biggest fan of him, but I don't know why exactly because over the past 12, he's actually been <laughs> top 50. Yes, that has corresponded with... I mean, it's not just Lonzo or Zach being out. This is 12 games we're talking about here. So I think the biggest the biggest impediment to him being able to continue to do this is going to be Alex Caruso, who is likely to come back on Wednesday. But as long as Zach Levine is out, which he will be for this week, I think that Kobe can still be... A guy who's putting up stats, they do need his scoring. So
1: I'm with yeah, I'm with you there for that reason. And I you know, you mentioned Levine being out. I didn't bring him up previously because I view White as more the beneficiary there in that shooting guard role, which is mm-hmm. typically what White is doing these days. It's kind of where he looks most comfortable being primarily a two guard for the most part. But it just comes down to me, he needs Minutes and he needs high volume. Like, if he's not getting a lot of shot opportunities, he's not going to fill it up in other categories to help you in the way that you need in a 12 team league. So, I'm not against co- what's up.
2: He's only getting 11.9 shots during this stretch.
1: Yeah. All right. Not, not that high volume, I suppose. <laughs> so, Yeah, hey,
2: 7.9 shots and 1.8 free throw attempts. He's doing it on I guess
1: to me is suspended disbelief. So he's shooting 54% from the field in January. That's what's fueling that, even though, as you mentioned, which that was surprising to me, that under 12 shots per game. But is this a guy who can shoot 54%? Maybe this is who he is. Maybe he's made incredible strides, and I just my perception of him hasn't caught up to the reality. I'm willing to own that if that's the case so yeah if you're in
2: no i think that he just runs hot and cold and he's hot right now so it's it's more relevant in like head-to-head leagues than roto leagues because right in a roto league you're taking the entire cake you're taking all you're taking the good and the bad but in a Mm -hmm. head-to-head you can have these guys during their hot streaks and and can them when when they start falling off but
1: and yet, as you said, on the season, you know, the, the, the hot and cold Roto effect on the season, he's barely inside top 200 for 9cat. So you're right. It's while he's running hot, great, go get him as 51% of Yahoo managers right. have done at the moment, which I find to be a very telling, almost a perfect number for Kobe White. 51% of managers are streaming him while he's hot. And yeah, so that that sounds about right. Yeah. All right. Then there was some good news with players returning on Monday. Now, mlk day as we all know is and discussed in the open just a crazy day in the nba we're not going to try to recap all of it nor could we if we wanted to so for that go check out the daily dose brad stonebreaker wrote another excellent daily dose recapping all the action and obviously our player news uh, but we saw bam Adebayo bio return who played with a wrap on his thumb he looked wow. good he shot four of 12 from the field he did produce across the board stats he looked pretty fresh Jared, why don't you take it from there? What did you see from Bam? And then I want to talk about, obviously, Omer seven and his lack of playing time on Monday.
2: Yeah, I mean, just Bam, like you said, he looked fresh. I think the most important part of his stat line was that he logged 32 minutes and he didn't really look tired. Mm. That tends to be the case with thumb injuries uh, because thumb injuries, guys are able to keep their conditioning in check. Usually as soon as they're cleared, they hit the ground running. You know, he didn't have the most impressive stat line. But the minutes were there, he looked fresh. Um, I think that he'll be fine. And Dwayne Dedman is also back with Bam, which leads us to
1: Omer Yurt Seven or or the, the lack thereof. <laughs> Omer Yurt Zero in terms of his playing time on Monday. He had yes, over, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Just trying. Over his previous ten games, which are all starts, Yurtseven. seven was I believe like a top 50 fantasy player while averaging almost 14 points, 14 rebounds or 13.9 and 2.9 dimes. The Heat during that 10-game span had had a plus 11.3 net rating with Yurt 7 on the court. So it says something that he was a complete DMP CD yesterday. He simply did not get on the court. It was Dwayne Dedman who got the backup center minutes. And hey, the Heat came out with a victory. There really is an I, you know, I and I'm sure other of my NBC Sports colleagues had discussed the fact that Bam is playing exclusively center this season and Yurt7 plays exclusively (laughs) center. So where was that situation going to go? It wasn't going to end well, even if Yurt7 did manage to get the backup minutes, which he isn't. So, yeah, I mean, you, you cut him. There's no other recourse here. You don't hold him and hope that he somehow steals the backup center job if that were going to happen it would have already. Spo knows what he has. He he just doesn't want to play.
2: Not the most upside either. If we're if we're hoping he gets like 15 minutes behind bam.
1: <laughs> right, that's, that's the other not part.
2: Enough, so.
1: It, if he's backing not. up a, a a starter who gets 25 minutes, that's one thing, but backing up bam out of bio, forget it. Right. So, unfortunately, the ride is over. It was fun while it lasted. But while you lick your wounds, you should subscribe to NBC Sports Edge Plus. As I mentioned, you get every tool for every game. Fantasy, DFS, betting, premium tools, all included. One subscription, one low price. You can subscribe monthly or save 20% on annual subscriptions. We've made it easier than ever with more tools than ever to play and wager with confidence with NBC Sports Edge Plus. I will say I used NBC Sports Edge Plus. or use them all the time. I use our DFS Optimizer tool, and it has been hitting lately. So if, if you are already a subscriber, definitely check out the DFS optimizer. It is a great, powerful tool, and it's customizable. All that good stuff. All right, on to other positive news here. Why don't you take this one? This is this is great news. He's finally back. It's no, it's no Clay Thompson after two years. But who else did we see return on Monday?
2: We saw CJ McCollum get back to the court, and he surprisingly logged uh, 28 minutes, and he looked really good. Seven of 13 shooting, 16 hmm. points. Two assists, four turnovers, a little bit of rest, But he also had two triples, a steal, and a block. I love that CJ gives you those blocks from the guard position. You know, <laughs> this guy came back from a punctured lung. I'm not super familiar with the timetable of punctured lungs. <laughs> I think that was the first one I saw. Sure, But the fact that he logged 28 minutes is like, wow, man. But at the same time, this is CJ. It's what he does. I think that you have to handcuff him to the bench to keep him off the court um it's just who he is I love seeing that who does he impact Mm -hmm. I mean I think that I don't think Ben McLemore really did anything but Anthony Simons wasn't as good but he he was just kind of off he went 0-5 from distance I don't think we would talk about him having a bad stat line if a couple of those shots fell uh that would have been six more points Mm -hmm. he would have been Uh, A regular stat line. So I don't think he's going to be quite as good as he was while both Dame and CJ were out. But I still think that he'll be a valuable contributor.
1: Oh, fully. It it wouldn't surprise me if he still ends up, as we've mentioned over the recent weeks, as the pickup, you know, waiver wire pickup of the year. Because, you know, as you mentioned, he probably won't be as good with CJ McCollum Mm -hmm. back. Then again, maybe he will be. The only thing I'll say, it's a one-game sample size, so we don't want to read too much into it. But he played 35 minutes. That's the biggest number to me. 35 minutes. Okay, headline. His playing time is not going to get messed with. He's clearly a guard of the future. Now, that is to say until Dame comes back, but then we get into the whole trade scenario and shutdown risk, all that stuff. So it it all sets up nicely for Simons. One number that was a little concerning was that he had 17.2% usage on Monday. According to NBA.com's advanced box scores, that was his lowest usage in nearly a month. You have to go back to December 21st in a game with both Dame and Norman Powell active to see an equally low usage from Simons. So that's just something to keep an eye on. But again, if you were quick enough to the wire to pick him up, this is water under the bridge. Like, you know, don't bat an eye at these numbers. So that's that's great. Now. Listen, I had talked about that we could discuss CJ and trade shutdown risk if he stays in Portland. I feel like this comes up on every pot. Anytime we mention Damian Lillard, we, we tie in CJ McCollum. The whole NBC Sports Edge hoops crew seems to be in agreement on this topic. So I don't know that we need to go down that road.
2: I think we can skip over
1: that. All right, fine to skip. But a topic I did want to stick with in Portland. Because we, as I said, we constantly talk about Dame, CJ, Simons. We even talk about Nasir Little a lot, as we should, and uh, Robert Covington. But I feel like we don't give much attention or love to Yusuf Nurkic, the Bosnian beast, who we should talk about, especially after his last two games. He's coming off Monday's enormous line of 21 points, 22 boards. I would assume that's a season high, two dimes, four steals, and two blocks. That came on the heels of a 23 and 14 game. His production has spiked in January. His minutes are consistently in the thirties. So I guess my question here: A, he's trending up. I, you know, maybe it was conditioning issues early in the season that limited him. You know, obviously, maybe usage goes up. You have got to run more offense through him without Dame on the court. Those types of things. But when we pivot to that shutdown risk conversation, Yusuf Nurkic is a twenty-seven-year-old in his prime who's also happens to be in the final year of his contract. He's an unrestricted free agent this offseason. So my concern is tempered by the fact that the Blazers don't have any young bigs that they're trying to develop or anything like that. Yeah. But if you if you're talking about trades and stuff, no, there's nothing to prevent them from acquiring one in the coming month. So to what extent are you concerned? Is there opportunity here? What what's your what are your thoughts on Nurk's role going forward on a Blazers team that looks like they're headed for the draft lottery? um yeah it's not as black and white as <laughs> as the other one yeah i don't, I don't <laughs> know
2: it's hard to tell with portland because as bad as they are they still are sniffing around at that playing game and like you said portland I, I don't think they're gonna shut down Yusuf Nurkic to give minutes to cody zeller
1: right um, i would hope not <laughs> but,
2: um, i i i I don't, I just, maybe he's the guy that gets traded, but I feel like he would be fine on another team. I just don't have too much worries about him. I mean, Mm. the lack of blocks has been the most annoying thing, and he's been a little bit better in that in uh, January. He's probably almost had a block a game. He's only had two without a block. The boards are nice, and with Dame off the court, he's getting to flash his playmaking abilities Mm -hmm. a little bit more. And the steals are there. Turnovers haven't been great. I don't know. I don't, I'm don't. i not too concerned with Nerkic. Um, I think that he's kind of been an under-the-radar top 50 player. People are probably disappointed with what they're getting, yet he's been doing it, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of a weird situation with him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I suppose I would just be happy with the uptick in his play. I mean, the playing time is enormous because his minutes were just kind of stagnant early on. Love to see those going up. As you said, I'm not too worried about what his role would look like on another team. So I think you're fine there. And I'm glad that you bring up a great point about the play-in tournament, which gives these bubble teams more incentive. It reduces the shutdown risk for teams that are kind of on the cusp, seem like they might be just floating towards nowhere. They have something to play for suddenly. So, yeah, altogether, not doom and gloom on Nurk
0: at all. I oh, have the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.
1: Now, if you haven't already, please download the NBC Sports predictor app powered by points bet and enter this week's free nba pick and roll contest for a chance to win fifty thousand dollars this week we're highlighting matchups between the nets and bulls Cavs and jazz and lakers and kings so if you don't have the predictor app yet download it now jared you blurbed i believe the wizards game yesterday do you remember who won that game
0: i don't
1: (laughs) It was the Wizards. I'm with you, by the way. When you said that in the intro, I was like, dude, that happens to me all the time. Where I'm so like, I'll know the res- result and sometimes, you know, have watched the entire game. But if you're recapping six games, you're not watching it start to finish. And it's easy to get so locked into the microscopic. What did these individuals do? Because that's what we're blurbing primarily that. Yeah. the Oh, the broader picture just gets lost. There's so many things going on. <laughs> but in any case, you wanted to talk about the, the Wizards, and yeah. I wanted to get into their three three center situation. Yeah. So let's just off.
2: kick off with Bradley Beal's back. He's back out of quarantine. He looked slightly rusty, uh, but he handed out six dimes, showed his playmaking. I think he'll be fine. He'll he'll get better with each game. That's enough of that. Let's move on to the center situation with these three centers. In Washington, Daniel Gafford bottomed out with, I believe, eight minutes in the last game. Since Thomas Bryant returned to the court, he's seen a steady reduction in playing time. He hadn't seen, I don't think he saw minutes more than 16. It was definitely in the teens, and then it was single digits in the last game. It wasn't foul trouble. It was just Mm -hmm. rotation that is happening. And he was thoroughly outplayed by Bryant. Let me pull up. Gafford's minimal stat line.
1: Last night, he had five points and one block and four personal fouls as Joel Embiid <laughs> decimated him there physically from the opening tip.
2: So, yeah, so that's foul trouble. But like we said, in these previous two games, it was 11 minutes and 16 minutes. So it's just been a steady downward trajectory. Uh, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Bryant Thomas Bryant came off the bench, and in his 16 minutes, he had four Four triples. Is that right?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, that's not right. Let me pull up his tab. He was one of, he had four attempts.
2: Four attempts. 15 points, five boards, one assist, one block, and a triple. 54% there is. shooting. So he really outplayed Gafford. And this is kind of what we were talking about who takes the biggest hit when Thomas Bryant comes back. I was too low on Thomas Bryant, I believe, because he has looked pretty good in the limited minutes that I've seen him play. It just looks like it's it's the end of the road for Gafford. And we can have a little bit of a debate about Trez in a minute. But I wanted if you have anything to say about Thomas Bryan or Gafford.
1: (laughs) You could you could foresee the Montrez Harold disagreement coming. Yeah, I mean, Gafford, unfortunately, you know, it's not quite quite the Omer Yurt 7 situation. But it may not be far off. As you mentioned, the playing time is just falling off a cliff. I did think last night, the foul trouble, you know, he couldn't get out of his own way versus Embiid, so that bled into it. I may give him one more game, maybe even two, if you can afford to. But here's the thing, Gafford has not been that good all season, right? Like, he he's had moments, he's had those elite sparks where you go, oh man, could, this guy can block eight shots in a game, like, wow. And let's not lose sight of that, of course, but... At the same time, he hasn't done much else. He's been inconsistent. The minutes haven't really been there, even in a split with just Harrell. Now you throw Thomas Bryant into the mix. It's not looking great. So, I listen, I'm okay cutting him right now if you have to. I wouldn't let a hot free agent pass you by. And if you want to do a little ships in the night situation and drop Gafford and grab Thomas Bryant, I'm all for that too. Bryant... Bryant currently rostered still only in 19% of Yahoo leagues. I think that went up like 7% yesterday. So listen, as those minutes go up, the roster rate's going to go up with it. So you have to get on now. Like if you want to get a guy who could potentially be starting for a bad team, who's young enough that they still see potential. Injury risk is there, sure. But I just like his profile. I mentioned the, or you mentioned the four, three point, attempts last night they, he clearly has a green light I don't want to lose sight of the fact that he shot 43 percent in 10 games before getting hurt last season uh, he's a career 60 percent hmm. shooter he's 74 percent from the line which isn't disastrous for a big so yeah th- there you have it I'm all for cutting cutting Gafford for Brian
2: I just want to say a thing about Gafford it's it i think that he kind of popped up on the fantasy radar to a lot of people this season but i've been watching him for a long time this is not his first year it's his third and he to me it just seems even more so now that he is a backup He is a backup center with awesome block potential but this is the same guy that we've always seen i think that people got a little bit excited about the opportunity for him to start especially with last year's right. hot run towards the end of last season but the data tells us that he's a backup. I mean, he makes a lot of mistakes out there. That's the reason his minutes are low. And as we've seen, he's not able to consistently do it, even when given quality minutes. So just I I wouldn't hesitate to move on from him.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't rebound particularly well for his position either. So there's that. But moving on to the third wheel in this rotation, the center rotation here, I know you've been a fan of Montres Harrell. Does this situation undermine him and to what extent?
2: For me, I don't think it does because I think that Washington absolutely needs what he brings to the table. He's the only center on that team who really does what he does. He can score. He's a lob threat and he brings a lot of energy off the bench. His minutes haven't really dipped since Thomas Bryant got back. And all he really needs is minutes in the mid-20s to be a reasonable producer in fantasy hoops. Now, I'm not talking about winning type of stuff. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about a guy that you should have on your team, a valuable contributor. He's going to give you points, boards, and the points are all dunks, so he's a field goal percentage booster. I want that on my roster. That's pretty much Mm -hmm. it. I'm not terribly concerned about him falling off a cliff just because... What he brings is so much different than the other two centers on this roster.
1: He's unique. I'll give him that. The The energy is almost second to none. I, I guess my concern around him stems from, you know, you mentioned his field goal percentage impact. And my question is like, well, what else does he bring? Absolutely. He's, he's elite in field goal percentage for sure. And he brings that specific skill set to the Wizards absolutely bench scoring as a pick and roll guy we've seen in the past he can be truly devastating to teams you know if you have the right guard playing with him in pick and roll as a dive man he's, he's terrific you don't really worry about him as a pick and pop player but in any case my concern here is the fact that he hasn't grabbed more than eight rebounds in a game since December 5th that's f- 5.3 boards in that span he doesn't block shots for a center he's not going to get steals and the playing time is the real crux because that's fine. Six boards, you know, dozen points or more with excellent field goal percentage is OK. But the minutes haven't been hurt yet would be my concern, is that when Bryant's playing time inevitably comes up. I mean, he played 16 minutes yesterday, and I think that's capped by, you know, on purpose by the Wizards training staff. That's going to come up. But potentially Bryant starts. I'm just worried about Harold being left in a situation where it's a hot hand backup center between him and Gafford and suddenly neither of them are consistent. You know, it could be matchup based, could be who's running hot that night, but that's what I look for as like, at that point, he's not going to be worth rostering. So I guess something to look for in any case, even if it it doesn't seem to be scaring you off the, the Harrell roster.
2: Yeah, I just, I feel like if we're seeing the guy who's going to get hit, and it's going to be Gafford. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes okay, to DMP CDs. honestly. That's how I feel. Yeah. And like I said, Gafford does not bring what Harrell does. Harrell is very important to that second unit. Rui Hachimura is back too. Davis Pertons was also a DMP CD yesterday. It, I mean, the minutes are not going away for Trez. He is an important part of this team. So that's just kind of my reasoning for not being too alarmed.
1: All right, fair enough. I will quick note on Bertans. I did hear one of the Wizards announcers during the game said that he saw Bertans stretching but not shooting prior to this game. So even though I think he was active, he was cleared from the injury report, his left foot injury may still have been the cause for his DMP, just just Mm, for what it's worth. That's like Lamello. I may have to tweak his player news blurb to include that fact. In any case, the Raptors bigs, let's move on to another rotation here. Chris Boucher, you wrote has been better than not bad. He's actually been good. Uh, I would fully agree with that. I think his slow start to the season may have been due to the fact that he missed a month or over a month due to a dislocated finger, just gave, you know, took away that precious time to no pun intended. We'll we'll get to his teammate in a second, but that, Ooh. that pre- <laughs> precious time to, you know, adjust, get your, you know, get your feet on you, that kind of thing. But he's out there. He's bringing energy at all times. He was part of what was essentially a six-man rotation last night. Right. Champagne. How do you pronounce that? I'm not positive. Something like that. I don't don't know. Anyway, (laughs) he he got like six or nine minutes, pretty much negligible. Boucher's been getting heavy minutes off the bench. Nick Nurse loves him when he's going well, when he's doing the right things, when he's not gambling overly on defense, when he's hustling for the boards, which he absolutely has been. So all these things are going to ensure that he stays on the court. And that's all it really takes for him to rack up fantasy value. So I love it as someone who potentially hastily cut him early this season. I have some regrets at the same time. I'm not convinced that he'll keep this up the rest of the way. And it was an opportunity cost thing. That roster spot I've since picked up other valuable free agents. So it's not like I cut him and got a ghost to put on my roster. So yeah, that's that's all I got there.
2: Someone who has picked him up and, and dropped him and picked him up and dropped him and picked him up and dropped him and picked mm-hmm. him up and didn't drop him. I am hopeful that he uh continues to keep it going. I think just what kind of yeah. really turned it around for me was I watched this game on January 9th against the Pelicans and his defense and the, my favorite part about this game was he had 28 minutes and, and like not a very good stat line. Six points, eight boards, two steals. But his defense on Jonas Valanciunas in that game was incredible. Just the way that he was constantly bringing the help. They just completely put the clamps on JV. He wasn't gambling. He was just in the right positions. That's what I want to see. And that's obviously what Nick Nurse wanted to see. Mm. And since that game, he's he's pretty much been in the 30s. High 30s last time. Yeah. Um, so it's, we all know it as long as he's getting 25 minutes, he has top 50 potential and it looks like he's finally gotten back into Nick nurse's good graces.
1: Yeah. Fingers crossed that he stays there. And that's, that's a good point that you mentioned that game because right, this is a guy who gives up a lot of weight every time in most of these matchups. So he needs to be sound with those fundamentals, which he hasn't always been in the past. Mm -hmm. I mentioned real quickly that Ken Birch is out for a while with a broken nose Partly as a result of that and partly due to Gary Trent Jr. being out and the Raptors going a bit bigger, we saw Precious Achua starting at center on Monday. He looked great. There was a point at halftime where I heard the he had 10 boards, and as he grabbed it, the announcer said that he had half of his team's rebounds. He was just all over the glass. I didn't realize he was up to 10 at that point, but just his energy and activity was so obvious. He finished with 15 boards. Six of them were offensive. He also had a steal in the block, played 37 minutes. I mentioned the Raptors' six, seven-man rotation. So, hey, as long as that's the case, you know, Precious Achua is a great streamer. He'll give you some rebounds. Maybe you had to cut your seven and you need someone to replace those boards. Achua can do it with the caveat that Gary Trent Jr. tested his ankle prior to Monday's game, so he's nearing a return. And when he does, Toronto will most likely go back to a, a small ball lineup with unorthodox centers thus hurting chua. So some opportunity there, but potentially very, very short term. You know what? There's a couple other quick hits. I know I want to get to this last one. So I'll quickly mention, although so much happened, Nick Batum scored 32 points in the second half yesterday, apparently. I did not watch that game, but that's absurd. <laughs> Gotta watch the recap of that one, but I, I did watch. I think it was all threes. Was it all three? Yeah, almost. I think so. It was ridiculous. But in man. one of the matinees that I certainly did watch, and I had a bunch of DFS lineups riding on, Miles Bridges went nuts, scored a career high thirty-eight points. He absolutely lit up the Knicks. Fourteen of twenty shooting, twelve boards, five dimes, some defensive stats. It was hilarious to watch Evan Fournier in particular try to defend him, but. Nobody could stay in front of him, and Bridges' combination of size and speed and his little finishes, you know, his driving finishes this season have been so good. And yeah, New York just had no answers. So that was a career night for him. And it's worth mentioning that it came without LaMelo Ball in the the lineup. So it wasn't, I mean, Hayward and Rogier are always going to benefit in those situations. Ish Smith will get more minutes, but file away that LaMelo Ball was out and Miles Bridges took over this offense. So if you're a DFS manager and then I'll let you go on your, we have one final point, Jared. I know you love to talk about this man. <laughs> Take us home.
2: <laughs> LaMarcus Aldridge was back on the court on MLK day and he had a fine stat line of 13 points, five boards, a dime and a steel and a block. KD is going to miss yep. the next four to six weeks. I believe that presents more opportunity for LaMarcus Aldridge in terms of, in terms of shots falling his way particularly when we consider that Kyrie Irving is going to miss half their games. So in the situation where Kyrie is off the court, I think that kind of makes LaMarcus Aldrich James Harden's second-hand man on offense. Uh, he's currently rostered in 48% of Yahoo leagues. I personally think that number should be a tad higher. Um, I like him. I think he's great, and I'm happy to see him back.
1: Aren't we all? It's such a great—I mean, for a guy who retired under you know serious health— Risks with his heart, and to see him back and playing, I love it. I lived in Oregon when he was in his heyday with the Blazers. I absolutely loved the man. Got to see a playoff game where he was just raining endless That's m- awesome. mid-range jumper. Like it, it's such a unique, awesome post game. Uh, or yeah. So yeah, uh, hu- huge fan of LMA. I'd Love to see him back on the court. He course. was incredible
2: in Portland too. That must have been a hell of a he game.
1: Truly was. He had. It was one of those magnificent. Uh, high-scoring affairs. I think he had 42 or something in that game. Ooh, I feel
2: like I know the game you're talking about, and it's just bringing back fun He anybody. had
1: a, stre- a streak <laughs> of them in any case. But yes, it's great to see him back out there. My only hesitance about him in fantasy is just the upside. Like He seems like a solid 100-ish, top 100-ish guy at 9-cat. I just don't see his minutes going north of 25, which is, again, okay. He's going to get touches. He's going to get his efficient scoring, some boards, some defensive stats. That's all you need out of a guy like that. My concern would just be, you know, if you're keeping him and he's a top 120, top 100 guy and you're letting other free agents fly by, I don't love that approach. But yeah, if you just need, you know, maybe you're in a 14-team league, he makes all the sense in the world. I will also mention one final thought I just read this morning. I think yesterday ESPN's Brian Windhurst mentioned that the Nets are like, feeling around or dipping their toe in the waters, I believe was the phrase of a Nick Claxton trade. He prefaces this by saying, I'm going to get aggra- aggregated for saying this. But of course, when you're a na- when you're a national NBA analyst and you say someone is potentially that a team is dipping their toe in the water of trading them, yeah, other people are going to want to talk about that. In any case, dipping the toe in the water could mean anything, right? Other teams have inquired and they picked up the phone. That's That's all that means. So, there's probably just a little bit of smoke there, no fire, but right. you know, should something like that happen, obviously Aldridge would benefit.
2: He would. That that would be interesting. That would be interesting to Depending get rid of Paxton. I, I don't know how I feel about that, but uh,
1: we'll see. We'll
2: see what what Again, comes of this yeah. of this reporting from Mister Winhorst, who's typically.
1: Yes, which he, again, prefaced by backing away from and saying, hey, don't hold me responsible, but this is what the Nets are doing. So I wouldn't read too much into that.
2: I'm going to assume, we'll go out with this. I'm going to assume that this is the game. Let's just pretend. Um, (laughs) On April 20th of 2014, is that the right timeline? Let's pretend it is. Yeah. Um, In game one, uh, he had a 46.18 rebound game. And a win over, and a two-point win over the Houston Rockets.
1: You got it. Um, I was out of that game. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I felt I like I knew s- it. still have the, the ticket on my wall over there.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I, re- I really remember his Portland
1: But look defense. at that series. Like, he was going off around that time. I think he had another series. He was. Yeah. He was. Once yeah, he had a series against the Clippers. Where he put point- <laughs> 46, 43,
2: 23, 29. Yeah. He got wow. them, to the second round where they got bounced by san antonio
1: yeah they weren't going all the way that year but
2: in any (laughs) case
1: fun little walk down memory lane glad to see lma back and producing covered a lot of ground hopefully some good pickups in there for people again you can get more by picking up our season tools every single day we have pickups of the day so go check those out get them before anyone else and thanks as usual for joining no
0: problem happy to be here see you next week adios